Hello and welcome to The Connection, a new podcast from Connect Global. I'm Javier Mendoza, co-founder and vice president. We are excited to be using this platform to be more connected to you. The Connection can be broken down into three sections. The Founders Corner, an ongoing conversation between the co-founders of Connect Global. Global Neighborhood, a mix of interviews from around the world, including some of our friends and partners. And Life Talks place to hear the most recent talks we've given on the gospel, missions, and our place in the Great Commission. Our sincere hope is that you would favorite, bookmark, or subscribe to our podcast and for you to come back often for all the interviews, conversations, and to join the discussion. Let's get to it. Hello and welcome to Founders Corner, an ongoing conversation between the founders of Connect Global. My name is Javier Mendoza, co-founder and vice president. I'm here with Travis Moffitt, co-founder and president. Travis, how are you today? Javier, I'm doing great. How are you doing today, buddy? I'm doing pretty good. Um, I know we've all been watching the news and have seen uh, a lot of the uh, devastation and the things that are going on in South Texas. So in light of, uh, I know a lot of our friends and partners and even our family members uh, that are in the Houston and surrounding areas, um, I know it's a lot to take in, but I'm definitely thankful and grateful for uh, the people who we have heard from and that we know personally um, who are okay and safe and uh, also just proud to see a lot of the news full of uh, Houstonians and Texans and um, people from Louisiana and even people from as far north as Oklahoma and different places uh, coming to pitch in and to help um, you know the the Cajun Navy as it is uh, uh, known as um, has come in to help I mean there's just a lot of good things that are happening out of this storm um, but as we know the devastation has been uh, pretty widespread and pretty um, harmful for a lot of people um, and so, of course, we want to help. Um, Hurricane Harvey has done a lot of damage, um, both through flooding, through the wind damage. Um, a lot of people are without their homes, without electricity, without uh, some of the bare necessities. Um, people are coming all the way up here, even to Dallas, uh, to seek shelter and to seek places to stay uh, until at least the rain stops. Because as some uh, pastors and people have, have reported to us, the rain is still not stopping. So we just are not even through the entirety of this storm, um, um, but we do want to help and we want to be a part of the relief efforts for that. Um, so I was wondering if maybe you could tell a little bit about what we've got set up that we can uh, tell our listeners about uh, if they're listening and they want to be able to pitch in and be able to help. Absolutely, man. Thank you so much for, for bringing us up. Uh, you know, as you and I, we both have family members uh, in Houston and even south of Houston. And um, so it's always heartbreaking uh, when a natural disaster moves in like this. But like you said, it's phenomenal to see people come together and the church come together. Um, I had an opportunity to talk with one of my cousins this morning and a couple of pastors there in Houston that we know. And, and their spirits are up. You know, they're hopeful. Um, so there's a couple of ways that we wanted to just really make it practical uh, to help. One, we have set up through Connect Global, we have set up a uh, Texas relief fund, uh, 100% of anything donated will go straight to relief efforts there in Texas. And we've got a lot of friends, a lot of partners in that area. And so we can get the funds to people where it's needed most. So if someone's listening to this on the anchor, uh, on the 
uh, Anchor Station or on Google Play or on uh, iTunes. If you want to partner with us in that, you can go to GoSurfChange.com forward slash Texas. It's very simple. GoSurfChange.com forward slash Texas. And there is a donate button right there. That donate button uh, will give you an opportunity to give to Connect Global. That's a tax-deductible donation. Again, 100% of those funds are going to go right to the relief efforts. You'll also see a button there for an organization called Christ in Action. And that button is uh, takes you to their website, ChristinAction.com. Christ in Action is led by a guy named Denny Nisley. He is a graduate of Christ for the Nations there in Dallas, Texas. And uh, uh, their organization is based out of Virginia. But what they do is they uh, move into an area uh, after a natural disaster like this. And so they have trucks that are equipped with showers and kitchens and uh, uh, reserve power uh, and just a, a lot of different things that are needed in the hours and days right after uh, a storm like this. And they're able to move in and provide quick relief for people immediately, both for the victims of the storm, uh, as well as for churches or other organizations that are helping to give aid and effort and their individual workers. So I know a lot of what they do is providing meals for the victims who are now without food, as well as providing meals for workers. You know, when the when the Cajun Navy shows up and, you know, after a couple hours of work, they're going to need something to eat. And these guys at Christ in Action try to help keep the workers going, as well as give that emergency relief. So if you want to do something, we would just really be honored to to be a part of the relief effort here and if you're listening to this and you want to participate again you can go to our website goservechange.com forward slash texas hit the donate button those funds come to us we'll send it straight to the relief effort or hit that christinaction.com button and that'll take you to christinaction.com's website uh they also have the capacity to my understanding they have the capacity for volunteers to come in so if you're wanting to get there and volunteer and help and don't already have a, a connection, you can reach out to Christ in Action and see where they could plug you in uh, for the volunteer efforts as well. Yeah, I think that's really great uh, and very important for us because I know as many of us watch uh, from afar and we see the things that are happening on the TV and see the things that are being reported. Uh, you know, it's easy to uh, say, hey, we're praying with you, we're staying strong, we're, you know, lifting you guys up and we're sending our, our good vibes or our good feels towards uh, the victims and towards the survivors that are, are being affected. But we can also show them by sending our support. And I think it's very important. We always say around here that, you know, uh, compassion without action is just observation. And so if we just get stuck in just observation mode, um, it's easy to kind of let this time period slip by. Um, without putting uh, some action to it. So we want to definitely be able to put some action to it. So those are two great ways uh, that anyone listening and anyone that's connected to Connect Global uh, can be a part of the relief efforts in South Texas. So we really appreciate your uh, support and your help in it. All right, let's shift gears uh, just a little bit. Travis, you just got back from Honduras once again, uh, leading a team and, and traveling through the countryside, visiting some of the projects and checking up on the progress of what we've got going on there. Why don't you tell us a little bit about what you guys did and where we're at with our projects there? Yeah, absolutely. This was a, a fantastic trip. This was a little different than a lot of our other trips. You know, the, the trips that we're usually describing, usually talking about are, are real, if I can say it this way, real work-related um, in that, you know, we went and built something or we went and, you know, hosted a conference. 
Um, but as you and I know, for every you know conference trip, every aquaponic building trip, uh, you know that sort of deal, there's at least one or two of these sort of logistical preparational trips. You know, there's just time in the country meeting with our partners and making sure plans are being made and everything squared away. Uh, especially as the projects get bigger and bigger, it requires a little bit more of this kind of on the ground planning. And that's very much the nature of the trip that I just had. So it was myself and our friend Lee Wimberly, who is from a church in Georgia called House of Grace. Uh, their church was the really the main uh, donor church, if you will, that they got behind a water well project. So they gave uh, right at $5,000 towards this water well um, that we were able to build in El Tamarindo earlier this year. And so it was great to have Lee uh, with me, we got to spend some time together. That was really wonderful. But we had just a series of meetings. So we flew into uh, Honduras Saturday a week ago, and we went straight to La Ceiba, which is kind of the main city that we're working in. We got in there Saturday night. We had opportunity to share Sunday morning. Uh, that would be August the 20th, Sunday morning at the CCI Church. And that was really a great time. We have so many friends in that church. We had a great service uh, that Sunday morning, an opportunity to pray for people and really encourage people, uh, specifically in the message that we are blessed to be a blessing. You know, this church in Honduras is focused on planting more churches in the region, and we really wanted to just encourage the whole congregation along that effort. Um, after that Sunday afternoon, we had a meeting with the directors of a school that we have partnered with called the New Life School. And this is a Christian bilingual school there in La Ceiba. And through some, some very generous partners, we've been able to establish a scholarship fund where we are helping right now 17 children to go to school and get a quality Christian bilingual education. And I was so encouraged to meet, they, to meet with the, the leaders there. So they have brought on a new superintendent into the school. And I got to tell you, Javier, I was so impressed with this guy. I mean, he came with, he had his reports, he had his his you know financial plans he had the student enrollment plans he had you know here's where we're at right now here's what we're moving towards here's the plan that we've laid out uh to move the school forward uh in advancement they've got 12 new students they've brought into enrollment this year I mean, that's fantastic that's that's close to or actually i guess it'd be a little over 10 percent growth for the school just in one year and uh, so it was really encouraging to see the school making strides to move forward you know people always want to uh, uh, do business and partner with successful organizations and you have visited this school personally i know you can attest and have seen the quality of the education they're providing for the students and as you know businesses do and organizations do sometimes you, you run into some financial challenges well these guys have a plan to work through it and i was really excited to see them executing that plan and, and really being able to, to move the school forward. That was a great first meeting for us. And I think it is also uh, very important to kind of point out uh, that when uh, we do something like a school sponsorship or we do any sort of um, support on the ground in Honduras, uh, it's always strategically made in a way that we are not trying to uh, replace the plans that you're just describing so like uh, when we partner with someone uh, in order to do a school sponsorship yes here in the US we're going to be raising dollars to send to this school to help bolster and help 
uh, complete uh, their school year budget. But that does not mean that we're trying to replace their efforts. It's not meaning that we're trying to uh, disregard their sustainability. Uh, what we're trying to do is we're trying to support in a way that will actually augment their ability and augment their uh, facility in order to su uh, support themselves even more sustainably. So we just want to be a, a partner with them uh, and kind of come alongside with them. So this scholarship fund is definitely very important for that matter because it's going to help these guys uh, attain those plans and make those goals that, uh, happen this school year. Yeah, that's exactly right. And one of the, the beautiful parts about the plan that they're uh, implementing is that not only are they looking, you know, to organizations like Connect Global who said, hey, we want to help provide a scholarship, but they are inviting Honduran organizations and Honduran businesses into this overall scholarship picture that they have. And the bulk of those students are not on a full scholarship, but they're in a partial scholarship. So it's a situation where the families are, are still paying a tuition cost, um, but it's, it's offset by the provision of the scholarship. So like you said, it's not, a, it's not a replacement. We're not trying to come in and tell people how they should run their business or even replace their, their revenue model. But like you said, to be able to augment that and support people who are doing all they can and then here we can help step in and help make up the gap so that these children, and in, in, in the case of this school, really it's children who, who would not normally be able to afford a, a higher quality or bilingual education. And uh, so they're reaching into some of the more impoverished areas in the city and helping these kids uh, to, to, to get a better education, which really starts breaking the cycles of poverty. I mean, education is so key, so important in breaking these poverty cycles, and that's exactly what, what this school is doing. That's right. That's good. So that was a great meeting. That was a great way to, to, to start the day. And then, man, we hit the ground running on Monday. We probably had three or four meetings. I don't remember exactly. They were kind of running together. But uh, first thing did was we sat down with our attorney, and uh, we were introduced to this lady, Alejandra Barahona, um, through one of our pastors there in town. And so we had an initial meeting with her, and I'm telling you, she is sharp. She is on her game. And uh, so that was really great to be connected with her. Then we were able to go over and visit the hospital and spend some time with Dr. Amador, the director at the hospital where we are building the maternity house. As well, we met with uh, Eduardo Oviedo Jr., who is our, kind of our building contractor and the architect that he is using. And all of those meetings, you know, over the course of Monday and Tuesday were just fantastic. It was great to see as Eduardo is, is finishing up literally just the final, final details on the plans for the maternity house. Uh, we were able to look over those. He's putting together some pictures and even a, like, a, like an animated video that we'll have up on our website soon so that people can actually see a, a picture, a rendition of how this house is going to look not imaginary but literally based off of the plans that that uh he's drawn up so that was so fantastic to see the progress there and then our attorney was able to meet with us with the director at the hospital and we were able to talk through some of the the components of our contractual agreement and our relationship together and you know how do we document that i mean we have a great relationship with dr amador but some of the things in this nature you just really want on paper and uh, so we were able to talk through the next steps of getting the plan submitted to the department of health for the entire government so that's kind of the next step 
Um, and just moving all of those balls forward was was very encouraging. And so all of those meetings were, were really fantastic. Really great updates uh, there in La Ceiba. Now, I know that you and Jorge and Lee also got to travel around the country a little bit more and visit some of the other projects ongoing and some of the projects that we've completed there in the country. Absolutely. Yeah, we left on early Wednesday morning and uh, drove down to El Tamarindo. Um, you know, by miles, it's not that far, but just with the road system, that was a, that was a good about 10 hours or so in the car. Uh, but it was great to get down there. And so on Thursday morning, uh, we visited another community um, called Estinquerín. And uh, it's kind of an interesting name uh, for a community, but this place was pretty amazing. There are about 500 or so people in this community they have two water wells there in the community, but they don't have access to that, really. So they don't have pumps or, or reserve tanks or anything like that. And the water well actually there is very, very new. When we drilled the water well a couple of months back in El Tamarindo, the company that we're working with there, uh, Mike Smelvins, said to the water, welling, water well drilling company, hey, your machine's here, just go two miles down the road and drill two more wells. So they just paid for that to get those two wells in that are literally put in just a few months ago. That's awesome. Um, so we're looking at that as some future water projects. Uh, got to visit that community and just see the setup and, and the, the, the situation there. That's an incredibly dry and incredibly impoverished uh, community. Even more so, if you can imagine, it, it's even more impoverished than the other communities in the area. So in that area, Estinquering is kind of kind of considered the the poor area. Um, so we're able to visit that, and then we got to El Tamarindo, and this was so exciting because right there on the side of the hill, you can see the the well house with the water well in it, and then up the side of the mountain, uh, you know, maybe a, a hundred or two hundred yards up is the other well house with the water tank, about a about a five thousand gallon or so water tank that the functionality is, is that the, the well and the pump that we have there uh, is pumping the water up into the water tank and then that way it's gravity fed back down the mountain out to all of these houses, these, these 600 or so people, about 100 houses in this community. And man, that was just, my heart just left. You know, when we got there, we've been working on this project for now about a year. And so to see it completed, and and in place and to know it's functioning to know it's supplying water was so so exciting the water well being such a strategic partnership here in the u.s also finding out that strategically mike's melons and some of the other organizations and corporations and the surrounding areas of this town also were working very cooperatively not only just with us but with their own community and i think that's a very important uh, piece of the puzzle because this is also a, a uh, kind of a, a pillar of what we do is trying to connect the dots. We try and connect the businesses, the organizations, the communities within the country that, you know, someone has something, uh, a, a great need like water. And they have this prayer that has been unanswered for, for however many months and years. And then you've got corporations that are just a stone's throw away that now have the knowledge of this problem because of the connections that we've made and so they're able to sort of I know this is an overused term but they were sort of able to pay it forward 
to the next two communities and get these projects started and on the road to their new water projects. And so that's something that now we can come back uh, and work also alongside that. So I think it's really interesting how while we're collaborating and cooperating here with partner churches and organizations and even individuals here, they are doing the exact same thing. So I always mention, you know, when we talk to people here, you know, we have counterparts, so to speak. We have people who are the heads of organizations, the heads of the church or head of the community who are working just as diligently, just as hard as we are on this side. And so when we get to come together and work together for a common good, it's really nice to see the final outcome of that being not only water in each one of those homes, but now the future potential of water in two more communities for the next step of that uh, water well project. Yeah, that's exactly right. Uh, one of the, the awesome meetings that we had was with a lady named Pamela Molina, and she is the daughter of the founder of Mike's Melons. And she actually now runs a foundation that Mike's Melons started called the Agro Foundation. So that's a that's a part of their whole organization. They, they've launched out this, this foundation. She said right now they have eight uh, clean water uh, community projects that they have identified uh, within this region that need attention, that need somebody to sort of adopt them and sort of take them on. And, and they work with a lot of different organizations, but they don't really have anybody who's working in clean water. And uh, so, you know, here they are, like you said, a local company that's identified the issues, the challenges, the problems, is willing to give back, willing to pay it forward back to their own community, saying, hey, we, we just want and need collaboration with, you know, the Connect Globals of the world, the House of Grace of the world, you know, the various churches that could get involved in this. And like you said, we have the honor and sort of the privilege of, of being that connection point of, of connecting House of Grace to Mike's Melons, to El Tamarindo, let's drill a water well. And, uh, you know, past El Tamarindo, there are literally eight more communities already on their radar right now that need either a well or they need a pump or they need, you know, some sort of way of, of furthering clean water to them. And it's the collaboration that makes it possible. It's when it's when people come together and churches come together, businesses come together and nonprofit organizations come together. And we say, OK, really, at the end of the day, it, it doesn't matter who gets the credit let's get something done here let's further the kingdom of god let's share the gospel let's give these people some water and so we're honored to to work with these churches and these other organizations because again it's the collaboration that, that makes it possible yeah that's really excited i'm glad that uh you were able to see uh the finished product and a finished project there in el tamarindo with uh, jorge and with lee and just making the next uh, level visit there to sort of plan out the future of our involvement there and the future projects that we might be able to take on in the next year. Uh, with that in mind, I know that there's another project that you are wanting to uh, bring up in La Ceiba, and I wanted to give you a little bit of time to explain maybe what that is and kind of where we're at in that process. Yeah, absolutely. So. Um... Since our very first trip, I remember the very first trip you and I were on in Honduras 13 years ago. Uh, we had a group of about 16 Americans there. We were out in Kasuna, Honduras, and I remember saying to our team, we're a group of Americans here today, but can you imagine the day that we're leading a group of Honduran people on a missions trip to somewhere else? And without even, you know, back then, 
I could honestly say I didn't even know what what the words that were coming out of my mouth. You know, I didn't I didn't even fully understand the gravity of that statement. But fast forward several years, and we have really captured the vision of Hondurans as missionaries. Uh, you know, we we we've encountered a lot of churches and a lot of people there in Honduras who love to receive missionaries from the United States. And the United States and Canada and Europe have sent a lot of missionaries into Latin America, and specifically into Honduras, and that's fantastic. I mean, we know countless number of people in Honduras who tell us we came to Christ because a missionary came to our village or to our church or to my house and so we're so just proud of that heritage but we see the continuation of that as raising up Honduran missionaries that can be sent out all over the world and especially into uh, into the Middle East and so there's a whole uh, there's a whole story behind this it's, that's very personal to us and some of the things that we've experienced that uh, we want to start documenting and sharing. But just in a nutshell, we really believe that God has led us to a piece of property in La Ceiba specifically that uh, we've been in talks with the owners. I had some meetings even this last week with the owners there, and we believe that that God is going to give us that property. That it's going to come to us so that we can use it as a missionary training school in La Ceiba, Honduras, in Spanish, for raising up Latino missionaries that we can send out around the world. And we're so excited about this. You know, in Galatians it says, uh, Paul says in, in the book of Galatians, that the gospel was foretold in advance to Abraham. And then he quotes Genesis chapter 12, verse 2 and 3, where God comes to Abraham and says, I'm going to bless you so that you can be a blessing to all nations. And we believe that Paul is saying that that's the gospel. The fulfillment of that is in Christ, in his sinless life on the earth, died on a cross to pay the price for our sins, in the grave for three days, rose from the dead, and said to even to his disciples, all these things you've seen me do and even more you're going to do. When you receive the Holy Spirit, you receive power so that you can be my witnesses around the world. And we believe that that's not only a gospel for North Americans, that, hey, we get to go on mission trips because we're from North America. No, we, we believe in sending missionaries because we're following the example of Jesus. And so that's true for us as North Americans. That's true for Hondurans. That's true for Cubans. That's true for Guatemalans, South Americans, all over the world. Everybody who would call on the name of Jesus is brought into an opportunity to share the gospel around the world. And so we see this vision we see this this mandate for ourselves as well as our brothers and sisters in honduras and we have a a, a strong passion and heart's desire to uh as quickly as possible uh, but again laying out the right steps and laying out the plans and making sure everything is, is is well planned out we want to do everything with excellence but as quickly as possible launching a missionary training school where North Americans and Hondurans can work together to send out Honduran missionaries around the world. Yeah, I think it's great. Um, there's definitely huge value, obviously, in leading short-term teams to Honduras. There is still a great amount of need there. Um, as you pointed out, there's still a great amount of poverty. Um, necessities like water and food are still hard to come by in most of the country, I would say. So there's definitely still a high value placed on bringing North American or even other uh, teams to Honduras to help support uh, and sustain their uh, progress. But also, how much more valuable is it when you being a recipient of a gift, but you being a 
giver of a gift. You know, there's a lot, a, a, a ton of value in being able to, you know, sort of return the gift that was given to you, the blessing that has been given to us, and now going in out and becoming a blessing to someone else, being an answer to prayer for someone else. There's enormous value in that. And so that is why we are interested in creating uh, some sort of a platform or some sort of a uh, foundation of education, training, uh, you know, being able to uh, just facilitate this this movement because while Honduras is still in need and while there is still value in sending people to Honduras, there's going to be enormous value and potential uh, and return on that investment by sending people out from Honduras. And I think that's a very important message to tell everyone is that while they're still in need, they are going to become the givers. They're going to become the senders. They're going to become the ones who are going out around the world creating these sustainable efforts that we're doing in Honduras. They're going to be creating uh, water projects, so they're going to be creating you know, food supply systems. They're going to be doing practical missions as well as going out and, and creating a very sustainable method of uh, sharing the gospel and sharing who Christ is in them and becoming that blessing that Paul talks about in Galatians. That's exactly right. I mean, can you can you imagine the the children in El Tamarindo who now have clean drinking water? Because a church in Georgia and a missions organization in Tampa and Dallas said, "Hey, we want to do something about this." That child now having the opportunity in their lifetime to go to Pakistan, for example, and put in clean water projects and share the gospel in Pakistan. Yeah, because amazing. somebody made a difference in their life, they become recipients of the gospel and givers of the gospel in in far-reaching places. You know, if we can see that as a reality, we can move towards that again collaboratively, but move towards that goal and see. I believe massive uh, change for the good of people with the gospel of Jesus. And so that, to me, is just is just terribly exciting. Yeah, it's a really amazing uh, proposition, and it's a really amazing opportunity that we have to be a part of that ongoing chain of carrying the gospel throughout the entire world. Um, like you said, obviously, we've, uh, at some point in each of our lives, have received this blessing, received this gift, and numerous times throughout the years now, and even more so through Connect Global and our efforts in Honduras specifically, are able to go and give out of that blessing and give out of uh, you know the enormous gift that we've been given and so now to be able to see the transition and be a part of you know the transference of that you know a responsibility so to speak to now the Hondurans that we're, we're uh, side by side with there in, in La Ceiba and in other parts of the country is going to be a really an amazing time um, well yeah. now anyone hearing this is going to be anxious and going to be wanting to understand more about that, learn more about the opportunities that we have there, learn more about becoming a part of the Connect Global effort there. Um, how would they do that if they're listening right now via podcast or via the Anchor channel? What is the the best way for them to get connected to what we're doing there? Absolutely. You know, we share our message across a lot of different platforms. We're on Facebook, we're on Instagram, we're here on Anchor. Um, we're on Twitter, uh, but the, really the best sort of concise location for all of our information is going to be on our website. 
So our website is goservechange.com. Those three words together, goservechange.com. And then we would invite anybody also really to sign up for our regular newsletter. You know, you do a really a fantastic job of, of hosting our, our social media and our digital media and getting information out through the email platform. We're not going to, you know, we're not going to uh, blow up your spam box. You know, we're not going to inundate anybody with, with emails every hour. But we send out a regular uh, stream of communication directly from Connect Global so that our our listeners and our partners can know this is what's going on. So you can do that at goservechange.com forward slash sign up. And uh, again, just take take some time, navigate through the website. There's opportunities if you want to partner with us financially right there on our website. We are working on our 2018 trip schedule, and we should have uh, that up on the website probably within the next week or two. I mean, we've got uh, some trips already narrowed down that we'll be posting on the website uh, literally within the next week or two for 2018. So you can get that information about uh, we'll have a trip to Cuba and we'll have several trips back to Honduras. And we would love for you to join us uh, by financially partnering with us or by coming and going with us. All that information is on the website, goservechange.com. And again, make it automated. Get the, get the information right in your email box, goservechange.com forward slash sign up. And you can sign up right for the email newsletter. Yeah, and it's very easy. Like I said, or like Travis is saying, we basically are just sending out information that we think that you'll want to know about trip dates, project updates, things that are going on in the now. Uh, and so all we're going to ask you for is your name and your email so that we can get in touch with you and let you uh, have the information as it comes up. So we definitely appreciate everyone who has done that and we appreciate the support that we see there. Uh, okay, that leaves us with one last question. We call it the question of the day. Travis, I want to know what has been the most challenging food that you've ever had to eat on any of our international travels? <laughs> well, as you know, uh, I thank God he gave me the, the palate and the stomach of a missionary. And uh, so I can eat just about anything. Um, but I think the, the, the most challenging thing for me to eat in the moment uh, was when we were in Thailand. Um, we had an evening where we had some time off and we were walking through the community there and we came across a, a street vendor who had uh, crickets. He had like two different kinds of crickets and he had some worms, I think, uh, if I remember correctly, that he had cooked up. <laughs> and, uh, so we, uh, we bought some crickets and I ate a couple of those. And in the, in the seconds leading up to actually putting the cricket in my mouth was like, I'm not sure if I actually want to do this. They actually tasted not too bad. Um, but then after the fact, I think I kind of regretted it again, even a little bit later, but, uh, that was, I would have to go with the crickets. That's been the most challenging thing for, for me to consume. How about yourself? What's been the toughest thing you've had to eat? I definitely remember the Thailand experience with the street vendor and the, uh, cooked insects, um, which to me in the moment didn't seem as hard as other times that I can think about and remember. One in particular time when we were in Kasuna with a team, uh, we went with Pastor Nehun, Jorge, a few, uh, just a couple of guys uh, in a pickup truck to go gather fish for one of the aquaponic systems that we were building in the community of, of Kasuna there. So we took a very early morning ride in the bumpy pickup truck up a winding mountain road 
uh, very yeah. early in the morning so that we could catch the fish sleeping, I guess. I'm not sure how that works. And once we got to this little tiny uh, farm and little tiny, uh, you know, wooded house, we, uh, before catching the fish and before kind of getting to work, it's sometimes customary for someone inviting you to their home, whether it's for business or for, you know, pleasure or for whatever, to offer you a drink, offer you coffee, offer you breakfast, whatever time of the day it is, uh, it's going to be kind of um, to go along with that. So, of course, early in the morning, they offer us a very hot steaming cup of coffee and a very hot, uh, straight from the animal, uh, temperature-wise, bowl of milk soup is the only thing I can say, basically, is what it was. I think yeah. it had uh, maybe literally five oats uh, you know, floating around there, so it was definitely not oatmeal, but as my grandma used to say, oatmeal is better than no meal. So we all kind of said thank you very much, sat around, we said, okay, let's try this. Uh, and immediately I remember thinking, I regret doing this, but as a, you know, very nice missionary in a very yeah. customary way, I did not refuse and I went ahead and, uh, you know, took in a little bit of the coffee and a little bit of the soup that I could, but definitely immediately regretted it. Um, so let's just say that it was definitely uncomfortable. There's no running water, no modern plumbing. So that made for a very exciting morning. Uh, and then we still had to go catch fish, so that was pretty exciting. So Dude, that... I totally remember that day. <laughs> I felt so bad for you. That like, was definitely the, the worst. And I'm like, hey, are you going to eat that? You know, yeah. Pass the extra to me, buddy. Well, that's the thing, that is that I'm definitely usually the one that is the most weary and the most sort of like, uh, you know, anticipate the worst happening because, as you know, we've had a couple of trips where the worst has happened. And yep. so I definitely always get very nervous about it, but when I usually feel the most nervous is usually when something bad happens. So oh, I yeah. usually try and trust my gut, so to speak, and trust my <laughs> experience. And so that's why when we take teams uh, to certain places, we don't go off the beaten path and we right. take them to places that we trust and that we know and that we've been to uh, that kind of trusted and, and tried and true. So definitely was a, um, an experience. Yeah, that was fun. <laughs> well, we want to thank everyone here for listening. Be sure to call in with your answer to today's question. If you've traveled anywhere outside of your normal comfort zone and you've tried the food, the local fare, let's know, let us know how it was. Let us know exactly what uh, you were thinking at that time, if it was something bad or horrible. We definitely want to know. But at least tell us what is the most challenging or, or, or hardest thing that you've ever had to eat while on the road. We thank you again for catching us here on Founders Corner as a part of the Connection Podcast. You can catch us here every Tuesday. You can also catch our other segments on the Connection Podcast on the Anchor app as well. Thank you very much for listening. Have a great day.